we go back to the RV and, you know, we pick up where we left off. And then and I bend her over the little kitchen counter there and pull her thong panties to the side and I start fucking her. And I'm fucking her for maybe a few minutes and a guy busts in the door and he goes, what the fuck's going on here? That's my fucking wife. Dude, I'm, you know, my heart stopped. I know before I could even say anything, he starts laughing. He goes, oh, I don't give a fuck. And he pulled out his dick and put it in her mouth. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm, I'm here with Mason Knox, and Mason is a professional male stripper uh, from Las Vegas. Uh, he's got a book coming out, and uh, we're going to talk about his story and his, well, basically your story, your book is your story. So anyway, we're going to talk about your story, and uh, I appreciate you guys watching, and so check this out. Mason, so you flew into Florida. Flew into Florida. All right, and... Uh... And you you wrote a book, and you're uh, so where where you just to start at the beginning. Where where were you born? Oh, where was I born? So like yeah, I flew out to Florida. I got a book coming out, Mason Knox: The True Story right. of a Las Vegas Adult Entertainer. Um, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, but I was raised in uh, Indiana. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So um, well, first I want to also mention that I saw you on Soft White Underbelly. Yes, right. Yep. So I saw you on Soft White Underbelly. I was on Soft White Underbelly, and um, our my booking agent connected the two of us yes exactly um how long did you do do that the soft white yeah it was almost i want to say like a year ago right about right. it was about this time last year what, what are we in september yeah so i think i did it of august of last year oh okay yeah all right um and that got a bunch of views um so all right so let's so let me go back real quick so who where you you were just telling me before we were before we started that you you were so your mom and dad the situation there who how were you raised oh so like yeah so a pretty typical you know small town indiana um my father had uh had passed away when i was like seven so that left uh okay just my mom to take care of my sister and i um i briefly brought my mom and i like just typical teenage being a boy we butted heads a lot and stuff like that never really got along but other than that like my childhood was suburb of Indianapolis, New Palestine, you know, played little league, had neighborhood friends, you know, rode the bikes around the neighborhood, capture the flag, all that stuff. So I don't, I don't have any hangups on the actual childhood. I mean, yeah, it sucks. My dad passed away. I mean, no, I meant the Orlando. Do you mind me mentioning Orlando? Oh no. Yeah. So oh, okay. no, Cause, cause even, when, yeah, you, even no. when you told me about Orlando, you were like, you know, typical, you know, typical childhood. My father that, you know, my father. Okay, had, so, and yeah. I was like, that's not typical. typical. So yeah. But. So yeah, no, you're right. So uh, before my father had passed away, uh, uh, I guess he had had a, not I guess, he did have an affair on my mother. And uh, I had a, uh, a half black brother named Corey uh, that played professional basketball in Europe. Right. And he lives in Orlando. So when we're done with this podcast, going to see him. I'm going to go to Orlando and, and go have uh, an early dinner with him before I fly back to Vegas. So that'll be the first time I meet my, my brother, Corey. All so right. I, I'm literally, I'm looking forward to meeting him. Well, how, how did you end up finding that out? So this is a recent thing that you figured this out, right? So I've known I've had him as a brother for like maybe a little over a year, maybe two years now. Okay. Um, we've he uh, uh, I, my real biological. I've we're both biological, but my brother, that I, my older brother that I grew up with, Brent, had uh, found out about him, and they had connected, and then through that, he had reached out to me. Corey reached out to me on Facebook. And uh, he actually saw my soft white underbelly okay. interview and uh, reached out and thought, well, man, you live a wild, crazy life. You're a stripper, you know? And I was like, dude, wild. Wow, you're the professional basketball yeah. player. I was like, this is cool. So um, uh, I remember him saying he lived in Florida and I had booked some uh, 
some podcasts to come out here. And he's like, I was like, you're in Orlando. It's like, I'm in Orlando. So I'm able to come out, promote the book and also meet my brother. So it's, it's been, it's right. been awesome. What was the other, what was the other, um, podcast you were on? Uh, I did uh so in Orlando, uh, there's a guy named Brent who has the wet slap podcast in the wet slap, the sweat, the wet slap podcast. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, is, he, it, is it just YouTube? Is it YouTube or is it because you showed me a TikTok? He has it all. He's like uh, okay. Instagram Reels, uh, YouTube, and TikTok. So he has. He's got the whole thing. Right. Let me see here, Mike. No, no, it's a white guy. That is a white guy. Were you showing? Right me? Oh yeah. So you were pointing me. At you. I, I was looking at Logan. I was looking at nah, Logan Paul right in the black. There. No, yeah, that's definitely him. That's Brent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How was that podcast? It sucked. No, <laughs> no. Brant was great. He had nothing but 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 good things to say. They uh, Brant Lincoln. So yeah, he's got he's got another channel too. A small another uh, small chat. Yeah, channel. so he's got he's got a good podcast thing going on. I I actually uh, uh, was turned on to him through TikTok. The TikTok shorts. Oh, okay. You know, it seems like TikTok's the way to go these days, man. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes like hit or miss. You know. Exactly. Um. So all right. So how did you end up? So you were in Indiana, regular, just going about your life. How do you end up? jumping from that to being a male stripper like i mean did you go to college and it did it no no i uh believe it or not I, humble beginnings like i said I, I got nothing but you know love for my childhood but you know my mom and i never got along i got kicked out of my house when i was still in high school right so there was like a, a time in my life where i was sleeping on friends couches and stuff and my older brother brent uh aka the big stud back right. in greenfield indiana shout out to brent um i uh he took me in. I was staying in one of his spare bedrooms at his house in Greenfield, Indiana, uh, and uh, I, I used to work at Taco Bell. I used to walk to work to Taco Bell and walk back. And I know I sound like such like a how old were you? A grandpa thing to say. I walked uphill, mile back, but no, I walked a mile there and a mile back. I was uh, let's see here, that would have been around when I was like eighteen, nineteen years old. Okay. And so uh, uh stay with him, and then I had a uh, uh, left Taco Bell and started working for this uh, paper goods. Uh, warehouse backbreaking warehouse work at Bunzel. That's why I always like to, you know, you've heard of this magical guy named Mike. Well, I'm the real thing. I'm Magic Mason. Right. <laughs> but no, I, I went from Taco Bell to working uh, uh, shifts at Bunzel. And I, I literally, uh, Matt, I just wanted to find a way to meet chicks and keep the party going. That's literally where my heart was. And I was like, I, I, a turning point in my life when I was working at Bunzel was the paper company. I remember I, well, I worked the night shift, so got day shifts, night shifts, right? Warehouses. I come into work one day and they're, uh, I'm 21 years old at the time. And they are, uh, they're celebrating this guy's retirement. He'd worked 35 years at Bunzel. And I remember walking in and I see a cake and it's all this stuff. And I, I, I was an alcoholic big time at the time. I was always drinking. And not in a happy way. Right. I was very unhappy. And I remember uh, uh, where you used to smoke cigarettes. I would, I would go in the, the back of the warehouse. You got this back door and be by myself. And I remember thanking them. I was crying, drinking my vodka bottle, smoking a cigarette because it hit me. I was 21 at the time. The guy was spending his 35 years. And I remember thinking, this guy has been at this company 14 years longer than I've been alive. Right at the time, and it just hit me. I was something happened. I was like, I don't want this. I just threw it out in the universe one night. I remember crying, drinking a bottle of liquor, calling my brother on the phone, smoking a cigarette, and just being like, This can't be my life. I'm not going to be this guy. Um, uh, and so I, I, uh, I started stripping at, in in Indiana. There's a, a couple places. Kind of is a weird story. If you, if you rewind back to when I was like 19, I literally had found a, an ID that said I was 35. The uh, the funny part is it was a black guy, 
So I had a black guy's ID that said I was 35 at 19 years old to try to get in the bars. So there's this little bar, this gay bar uh, that you could strip at. Uh, it's been torn down since on the east side of Indianapolis called the Unicorn. And I tried to get a job there, but like being a 19-year-old kid from small town, Hillbilly, Indiana, it was just too much too quick. I remember walking into this bar and you look to the right. You got into the bar with the black guy, 35-year-old black guy's ID. They didn't card you at first. Oh, okay. I didn't get to the okay. card stage. That's how you buy that. Okay. Yeah, not, not till you go up to like the bar and I'm sure right. they card you. But I walked in. And I remember immediately to my right, I had the black guy's ID ready to go too. And it's how naive and dumb you are as a kid. You just, but I remember looking to the side and they had like a shower built into the wall and the sky was just completely nude, just kind of going to town. And you know, you go to sports bars and they usually have like the, 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 the flat screen TVs, uh, but you know, game yeah, yeah. highlights, but they had hardcore gay porn. It was just, again, nothing wrong with it, but being a 19 year old kid from Indiana, was just yeah. too much too quick. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't do it. You know, fast forward back now. Did the whole Taco Bell thing, did the Bunza Warehouse thing. And there's a place in Indiana called PT Show Club. Um, it's on the east side of Indianapolis. It's a typical strip club, titty bar. They have girls there seven nights a week. But on Saturday nights, they would have the backstage or the back two stages. They would open up for the guys. They would do a male review on Saturdays. So you would be dancing next to the girls sometimes, which was great. I got right. it. That place was awesome. So I, I ended up going one night. I remember there was a guy named Tommy that ran a crew, crew of guys there. And uh, he was like, well, why don't you watch us for a night? And then if you feel like you want to do it, I'll give you an audition. And uh, I watched maybe one or two songs. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a natural born entertainer. Right. But I was like, dude, put me up. You know, I'll, I'll never forget uh, ACDC. I danced, uh, what, do you, what, what, uh, what do you do for money? What do you do for money, honey? How do you get your kicks? Yeah. So I danced to that song and I fit right in. They hired me on the fucking spot. And, it, 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 and every Saturday night, I was dancing there while I was working at Bunzel. And then um, it wasn't until, you know, towards the end, I, I, I ended up leaving Bunzel. I went back to the unicorn place. That was a little too much too quick. And I was dancing there five nights a week and dancing at PT's on Saturday nights. And that was great. That worked out great for a while. But then PT's found out I was dancing at a gay bar. Right. And that didn't fit their image. So they fired, they fired me. They didn't want a gay or a fag or that's how they talked back then. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. I understand. You know, I'm not trying I to understand. offend anybody, but I come from a different. Oh, listen, era. I I talk about when I you know I, like I'll say punk, you know, because in prison that's what they call them punks. Yeah. You know, in 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 you know you say there's lots of things to, you know. The I time, didn't grow up with safe spaces. All yeah, right? yeah. This is how just people talked, you know, right. just in general. And so like they didn't want a guy who supported that working for them, so they fired me, which sucked at first, but then it was kind of great too because I, I was making more money at the Unicorn, and believe it or not, I was pulling more pussy out of that gay bar than I was at fucking PT's. Right. There was only one other straight dancer there. And like, it, it turns out when you have no competition, yeah. you know, all the pussies for you. Yeah. And I remember at the unit, that was the first time I, I saw a guy suck another guy's dick. I remember in real life, I remember thinking like, whoa, you know, get a room. But in a, they were in a room at a gay bar. <laughs> Go to prison, you walk by the wrong cell, you see it, all kinds of stuff. I'm sure, like, you know, I'm wow. sure you're just like, this is where you're at now. This is what the new norm is for me now. And you just, you know, you kind of, I don't want to say get a thick skin, but you just, that becomes your, your normal in a way. So it's yeah. not, again, like we could be doing the podcast right now and a guy could come in here and be blown another guy. And I would just be like, Hey guys, could you just keep it down when yeah. you're on a podcast? Yeah, exactly. You know, it wouldn't, it, I wouldn't have the same effect. Yeah, as when you're did. done, can I get my car keys? Like you're my ride. Yeah, like, exactly. I, I, exactly. That's just who gives a shit at this yeah. point. But in, being a 19, 20 or 21 year old kid, it just, just like yeah. I said, it just kind of took you back. Especially I, I come from like a small town where, where being gay is not okay. Yeah. You know? So. So what happened? So I mean, how do you? So you keep working at at unicorns and yeah. So then my godfather at the time. So like I said, I never really got along with my mother. Right. So one of my good friends' parents had had not legally, but had pretty much adopted me. 
gave me life advice, gave me a place to stay. When I, when I got kicked out, I was able to stay at his house sometimes, you know, before I got to my brother's. Just a good family. Right. Uh, so his name's Steve, and he had ta- told me about this competition called Nudes a Poppin'. NAP. It's this big fucking porn star dance competition. It's in Roseland, Indiana. It's about an hour south of Chicago. And uh, again, cater towards the women, but they have a men's part. So he's like, you got to enter this thing. You're stripping. Go do it. So I entered the contestant information online, uh, got a song and routine together, and I made the drive up to Roseland, Indiana, and entered that competition. They have scouts there that are looking for talent and stuff. And So is it, is, is it just for scouts, or is it for, like, a, like I, no, I'm saying, like, is there money involved? Like, Oh, yeah, if, you're, oh. if you win, there's money. Okay. So, yeah, so, like, it's, 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 it's uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I went in with no expectations. I remember the first year there, I had met a uh, – a dancer named uh, Shaylin Triple uh, X, and uh, uh, one second here for some reason this wants to vibrate. There we go. I met a uh, a dancer there named Shaylin Triple uh, 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 X. We entered the couples. Uh, it's called the couples go go routine together. We took first place um, with the routine that I had put together. Again, ACDC. I put on Shoot the Thrill. ACDC's right. always been my go to. Fucking love that band, by the way. I work out to ACDC. Dude, fucking, all, ACDC every is morning. one of the best rock and roll bands ever exist. Yeah. I don't care. Fight me for it. But uh. uh um, we, I, I got, I got runner up and entertainer of the year and I won first place in, in couples go, go. So I did, a uh, walked away with two trophies and that competition was in July and I was in Vegas by late August, early September. Yeah. I mean, why they, somebody hired you or yeah, you, so just, I had some, you just decided I'm going full, I'm going to do this so, full time. A couple things. My godfather at the time that had told me about this competition was already set up out in California. He bought a hot springs. So he runs and operates a hot springs out in California called the Lights. I don't know what that means. A hot, spring, hot springs. Hot springs is like a. It's like the natural water. Oh yeah, yeah. I know what hot springs, springs are. Yeah. So he has a hot springs resort. Oh, so you he bought one where there's a hot springs. People go there and what it's they a just 40 sit, acre, they just sit in the water. Yeah, it's a forty acre resort with private pools, with know. hotel rooms, cabins, all that stuff. It's, yeah, it's called the Lights Hot Springs Resort. Okay. So in fact, I'll give him a pitch. It's delightshotspringsresort.com. Cool. So that's that. He's owned that for 25, 30 years. So, um, and and I had some job offers and filled out after that competition. I'd filled out some applications to, for Vegas and got some offers to come out. So I came out. I didn't want the high to end because let me tell you, man. After nudes of pop and ended, you know, the drive back to Greenfield, Indiana was was very depressing. You know, I went back to being superstar to thirty quiet. Yeah, yeah. Back to my brother's spare bedroom. Back to normalcy. He's been known to cure insecurity just with his laugh. His organ donation card lists his charisma. His smile is so contagious. Vaccines have been created for it. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crime, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. But you're still uh, dancing at the... That's still stands into the gay club, but just that news of popping was like high. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember when I first knew the way it, it ended. This is like a large. This is not. This is not a small bar. This is a, a massive, a big like outdoor a, event. Okay, huge outdoor event. Right, and you know, and you got media everywhere. Cherry Magazine, Ink Magazine, Hustler Magazine. Yeah, you're, they're you're all there. like a fucking superstar. Yeah, and I remember when I was walking off the stage, literally at the end of the competition, in my first news of popping with two trophies. Um, I remember. Uh, uh, walking by is my first experience with swingers, by the way. These two hot blondes that are topless wearing these thong bikinis. I remember one of them, to this day, I remember she goes, man, you are a sexy motherfucker. I want to suck your dick. And I remember pointing down with my trophies like, well, what's stopping you? Do it now. And she dropped right to her knees and started blowing me in front of like 200 people. And the funniest thing was, <laughs> oh 
<laughs> you know, it's just, but, just, just debauchery. You know, debauchery. One hundred. It's just. So I remember the, the security guys had their golf carts and they ran up. And again, I was Sebastian at the time. I hadn't adopted Mason until I came to Vegas. They're like, damn it, Sebastian, you know you can't do that here. And I was like, oh, well, sorry. And the swinger couple had a trailer. When I say trailer, it was more like one of those like rock and, ran, rock and roll band tour buses. Like You said swinger couple, but it was two women. I'll get to that. Okay. So fine. Yeah, no, it's all good. No, I understand. So we go back to the RV and, you know, we pick up where we left off. And then and I bend her over the little kitchen counter there and pull her thong panties to the side and I start fucking her. And I'm fucking her for maybe a few minutes and a guy busts in the door. And he goes, what the fuck's going on here? That's my fucking wife. Dude, I'm, you know, my heart stopped. I know before I could even say anything, he starts laughing. He goes, oh, I don't give a fuck. And he pulled out his dick and put it in her mouth. So that was my first experience with swinger couples. I ran a train on this guy's what, wife. What, what are the chances this gets demonetized? I mean, <laughs> anyway. You know, so I, uh, uh, I, uh, um, uh, I, that's how my first news of popping ended. So I went from that high of winning trophies to people wanting to be me, to girls wanting to fuck me, to now I'm back to normal. Right. I'm back to Greenfield, Indiana. So here and then, so I was like, I got to keep the high going. So, yeah, so you you go to Vegas. You go, go to Vegas, man. And your um, you said Godfather. Godfather. Yeah. Okay. No, it's my Godfather. Godfather. So did, did he put you up, or? Yes. I, when I first moved out there for the first, uh, I think, couple of weeks, I went out there. I, I was able to stay. Uh, uh, one of my brothers, Ryan, let me sleep on. I literally slept on the floor in his bedroom for like three weeks. Right. And then I got my money together and I had some money saved up and just got my own apartment. And then it's just been. Where'd you, so where'd you work when you were there? So I started with my roots, went to the gay bars right. at first, you know, because the, the private stuff didn't pick up to about six months. Um, there was a place on the, uh, on the strip called Crave. It was spelled K-R-A-V. It's not there anymore. It's where uh, Bubba Gump, if you come to Vegas, where you see like Bubba Gump shrimp and all that kind of next to Planet Hollywood. Yeah. That used to be a huge gay bar on the strip called Crave. When I mean gay bar, I was like gay go-go dancing. But they laughed at me. I lasted there like a week. They laughed at me. I was a hillbilly, they said. I got made fun of. Got laughed at. Okay. I was like, all right. So then I went to a gay bar called Piranha. And now I remember Piranha because one of the gay dancers at the Unicorn told me about this place called Piranha. And they took me in there. I loved it because uh, not only could you go-go dance, but I got my uh, TAM card, which is techniques and alcohol management. And I was allowed to sell shots now. Okay. You have to have a TAM card to serve alcohol in Vegas. So um, when I wasn't uh, dancing on the stage... You could either dance for 30 minutes and take a break for 30 minutes, or you could dance for 30 minutes and go sell shots for 30 minutes, and that's what I did. I just hustled. And during that time, Sin City uh, Entertainment, or excuse me, Sin City Strippers had hired me, and I started doing private parties, and I've been, and uh, I ended up leaving Piranha because right. I was getting so busy, and I've been doing private parties for Sin City Strippers for, I've been doing it 16 years, 15 years now. All right, so, so one, how much money were you making just working at Piranhas? Like, what kind of money you know, on, on an average night do you make? So working at Piranha with doing the shots, and mind you, I was only working there like three nights a week. Right. So you'd bring in anywhere between 300 bucks to 600 bucks a night cash. Okay. So you could you could pay your bills with it. All right. You know, and to me, again, small time hillbilly. Yeah, yeah. Coming from Taco Bell and Bunzel, this was all, um, this is this is all amazing to me. This right. is like, I'm rich now. Yeah, and Vegas is, I'm sure, a, a, a massive difference yeah, between I tell a small a, town. I tell a story in my book, one of my first chapters, and, and I told the story uh, on Soft White Underbelly about the one of the first parties I did was for like a, a cross-dresser guy. He wanted to have a mock bachelorette party. I remember him looking just like Princess Diana. Um, I remember the, the party was crazy. It was at the, it was at the Wind Tower Suites. And those of you who've never been to the Wind Tower Suites, it's, it's amazing. And he had like the two-story suite. Um, what I don't talk about on Soft White Underbellies, you know, I do the whole show. The guy ends up getting fucked in his ass with a strap on, which is one of the 
first times I'd, I'd seen that in my life. And I don't, I don't know how I got through it. I went to stripper autopilot or something. I was just, okay, this is, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Make a joke like Dorothy, you know, I'm not in Indiana anymore. Definitely not in fucking Indiana anymore for sure. So, but after the, the party was done, um, he retreated to himself. Obviously he, he had came and came back out in like normal polo shirt, golfing slacks and took uh, the dominatrix and I and her friends to a steak dinner at Steve Wynn's Steakhouse. Of course. So it's like $150, $200 a plate. And I remember just thinking to myself and drinking the best liquor. You know, I think he probably had Johnny Walker, all the good shit. You know, I went from working an hour and a half, if you want to call it work, making almost double when I'd make working a week at Bunzel and I traded in my bologna sandwiches for a steak dinner at Steve Wynn's. Again, I, I, that kid from Indiana hit the fucking jackpot, man. I was riding high on success, in my opinion. Right. That was success to me. I got out. Now so, I'm a hired guy in Vegas working at the fucking Wynn, eating steak dinners. I'm not this pallet operator, forklift driver anymore in Indiana. It was fucking fantastic. So, And you've been doing this for 16 years. 16 years, man. So, I mean, are, do, you, are, do you have a girlfriend? I've had girlfriends, but right. no, nothing. It doesn't that, last? Or? No, the, the only time I, I find that it kind of lasts is if I, if, I, if I date somebody in the industry. Right. And I don't mean to, to, to stereotype people, but I call them nine to fivers. Yeah, it's yeah. really hard to have a relationship with a nine to fiver because, again, they always think you're going out and getting laid. And I, and I do. There's plenty of times where you know, these parties turn into sex. But, yeah. I, again, I've done this for so long, I don't have to right. fuck but your normal nine to fiver is not going to understand that. They're going to go worst case scenario in their mind the whole time. They probably think I'm getting laid and getting fucking. But if it's somebody in the industry, even if they think it, he is doing it, but it's really entertainment, it's just a part of it. It's like, like being a, a, a porn star dating another porn star. They like, get, like, get its work. Right, right. Yeah. So you were saying like there there um, I, I heard saw a clip where you were saying that like a guy will pay you to fuck his wife. It's like a big thing now. It's called cucking or cuckolding. But I mean, listen, listen, me, Face, so Facebook. Me, at six, me at 16 or 17, no internet. Really, internet didn't come out until I was like graduating. I was in the middle of college. And even then, it was like email. No, like, and there then, wasn't like internet, like porn and stuff. And when you did have the porn and you click on a picture, yeah. load, load. Yeah, so, load, so, load, so it's load. not like with a constant bombardment with sex and drugs and, and everything now. Like Connor, you probably don't know this, but. I just said it was telling. I remember when Facebook came out, you had to have a college ID to have an account. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, oh, MySpace oh, you could do, okay, yeah, but okay. when Facebook first started, you had to have a college ID to have a Facebook because that was first started to connect college people. And right, it, right. Obviously, right, it blew right. up to where yeah. you know. So I come from the MySpace days to where the old joke used to be. Remember, you could have your top eight friends. I mean, no, I I don't remember because you never had was, the, you didn't have the MySpace. I didn't have my I, when MySpace came out. I was on the run. I just got oh, started off on the run. So yes, yeah, so you're not going to have that internet presence. Facebook came out just like six months before I got caught and went to prison. So okay, I got you. Yeah, so when MySpace came out, you could customize your homepage and you could put your top friends on your front. I remember the whole joke was there was a T-shirt out going, "Your mom's on my top eight. Right. <laughs> I'm going back in the day, but you know, cuck holding, cucking is like a whole thing. Now I have, I have a lot of husbands that watch and they, they pay me to fuck their wives. 100%. I just don't understand. Like, you know, I could understand, like, did, did you ever see, um, American gigolo? No, but I, but kidding I saw something on Amazon the other day or did that come out again? Is there a new season? There was no, a new no, thing. It's not a season. It was, it, the original was, was Richard gear when he was young. He's like, 23 24 maybe 25 years i gotta old. watch that bro it's you know it, it it's a great um it's a it's a great movie 
And then the other thing is in that movie, I remember watching that movie where a guy had paid him to have sex with his wife and watch his wife. And I remember saying like, why would someone do that? And this is pre Viagra Cialis. So this is an older guy who's like in his sixties, who's, who's got a wife who's probably in her thirties and he can't really have sex with her anymore. And so he hires this guy to have sex with her and he's there to watch. And, you know, like, so to me, I remember thinking, well, that's something that's probably pretty much petered out because now you just go take a pill. You're good. But you're saying shots now too. You can inject your dick. Boom. I see it on porn sets. All the, I, I've been doing, I've been doing porn for, I'm, I'm new to the game, but I was nominated for a T. Um, I, I, I've done porn for major companies. I've been doing porn for a little over a year. I, I, my, that's been opened my eyes to a lot of stuff too. Shot. You know, oh, the, Right, you shake right into the base of your dick, and you and you just rub it real quick, and all of a sudden your dick's hard for six eight hours. Oh, that's insane! Yeah, right. I've never done one. I mean, I'm not against it, but I've. I've uh, that seems like it would be dangerous. Yeah. So, like, I uh, even with the because, uh, uh, like, you know, I don't have a problem performing, but you know, when the lights are on and your perspective oh, yeah. of the porn, yeah. I, I always keep Viagra on me just in case. Yeah. But you don't want to take a whole one. No. Oh fuck no! I'll take a quarter of a one. And I still feel lightheaded sometimes. That shit will fuck you up. Yeah. So even taking the Viagra sometimes is. I don't like doing it, but when you're doing it for work, you're doing it for work. You know, when you're on these sets, you know, it's like, especially being the male talent, you know, and they're doing pictures, like, they'll say, okay, do pictures, and you have your clothes on. And they'll go, okay, pictures with your clothes off, get hard. Right. And you got a camera guy, a set guy, their assistant, lighting oh, no, guy. I'm going to need, you got to light some candles. We need some soft music. I'm going to need, I'm going to need Jess to rub up against me. They want you to, they, they, do, no, they do, you do the blowjob scene, and then stop, you got to do pictures. Yeah. Oh, no. Now you gotta fuck. Stop. We gotta do pictures. Now you gotta fuck in this position. Stop. I remember one time I had to Honestly. I had to fuck a girl through a, a glory hole. I was a security guard on the red carpet. I had to fuck her through this hole. Then I had to have her give me a blowjob upside down. Then I had to fuck her on this box. And I had to constantly stop. I was on set for like eight hours, and you're constantly being you have to stay hard in the whole time. And it's like again, my my hat goes off to all the male porn stars. Like you ever notice if you watch porn, you see the same handful of guys. I don't know if you've noticed that. I watch porn, but yeah. yeah I, but I, if you watch porn, you'll notice it's, right. yeah, because those are the guys that can show up and get the job done. Yeah. You know? I, you know, and I, I, I get that it's stressful and it's hard and everything, but you know, Literally. I, and I want to feel bad for you. <laughs> no, don't. I don't. Don't. Um, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't. It's fucking porn. I'm, I'm new to that. Like I said, my, my book is catered towards like my main income and my, and all that. And my, my, my job has been an, an adult entertainer. Right. I call me a stripper, but there's more that goes to it. Like I feel like it's more of an entertaining thing. Yeah. So what, so what, um, and there's obviously a, a definitely an entertainment, uh, aspect to, to, to any type of, you know, any type of, um, uh, performance. So my, my question is, like, has anything ever gone wrong? Like, do you ever not get paid? Do you ever, have there ever been issues? Boyfriends show up, getting random phone calls from angry people. I mean, I'm just spitballing here. I can only imagine. The I can touch on all that. I was going to say, in 16 years, you've got to have some so, fucking. So, there's been a couple times. So, one that sticks out to me when you talk about violence. And uh, um, I remember I did this party once. Uh, it was a birthday party. It was like a 50-year-old birthday party in a real nice house in Vegas, locals. And they got everybody there. When I say it, it was a mixed party, and in the industry, when we say mixed crowd party, it's guys and girls. That's what mixed means. Right. So you, you got straight guys and their girlfriends. So it all, it all starts normal. I'm in the back porch. There's a ton of people there. And uh, uh, usually when these things, you know, I bring the energy. So these things get going. And obviously, once you're done dancing for the, the birthday girl, the other girls will start sitting in the chair. Or pe the, the audience will start, you know, the crowd will start throwing girls in. And I'm, I'm there to just do a job. You know, yeah, we yeah. do these handful of moves where you pick them up, spin them around, blah, 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 blah. So I remember dancing for this one girl. And I'm doing my, my dancing like this. And all of a sudden, I felt pressure on my face. And the, the guy had punched me. 
And uh, obviously, he didn't hit my button. Everyone's got a button. And you just use spaghetti called the yeah. wet noodle. So, but he obviously didn't hit my button. And I remember before I even had a chance to react, the other guys in the party had grabbed him and threw him on the ground and were apologizing to me profusely. Right. Said, fuck this guy. He's had too much to drink. He's just a jealous asshole. Yeah. They tipped me extra and they escorted me to my car. But when, I, when you think about getting yeah, hit, yeah. I think about that. Um, in fact, you just it's brought like, up a Why story. would a guy, why, you know, like, well, like first of all, if you know there's going to be a stripper there and you're going with your girlfriend, like you, you already know what to expect. Like you can't go there and decide, hey, I'm going to have a bunch of drinks and be a dick. And then again, I'm there for entertainment. Like I'm right. not, it's different. Like, you know, if she's a single girl and she ends up coming to me after the show and we exchange numbers, great. But during the actual performance, yeah. I, I'm as professional as you can get. I'm there for you to do a show. Right. I've done this so many times. It's like muscle memory to me. Go in, do the same routine every time it fucking works. But you did bring up something. Again, the guy just didn't hit my button. I mean, I got an angel looking out for me or something. But back in my PT days, going back to Indiana, uh, I was uh, one of the guys that worked at PTs with um, was part of this Mel Review group that traveled. And they were doing a bar gig. And I've never worked with a Mel Review before. So um, they're doing their stage show, and I'm working the crowd. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to work the crowd while they were doing a stage show. And this one guy was big dude on steroids, just hated me. Again, I remember dancing on this girl, and I felt pressure on my face. He clocked the shit out of me. But again, didn't hit my button. I just went like this, and I remember I was by a pool table. I grabbed that fucking pool stick and went to go after him. And I remember the bartender grabbed me, and those, that wasn't as nice. Those bartenders and stuff grabbed me. I remember, like the movies, they tossed me out the back fucking door and, and like that and told me to get the fuck out of there and all that stuff. But I, I do that, that's crazy. I'd forgotten about that till just now. So that when, it, when it's violence, that I've had it a few times, but luckily I haven't been hurt. Yeah. They just didn't hit my button. They just didn't know how to punch or they were just off balance because, again, everyone's got a button. All right. Yeah, absolutely. He once conned Bank of America out of $250,000 using nothing but a fake ID and his charm. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crime, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. Um, so yeah, you get you get that sometimes, but you always get paid. You always like nobody's ever stiffed you, or I always get. So whenever I go to these things, uh, I get my money up front. Right. It's always up front, so I, I get the, I get the I get the base fee, I call it, and then I give them my spiel on what I expect to make in tips. Now, of course, it's tips; they could give you nothing. Right. But I give them my spiel, and so I, I've never been stiffed on on the walk in, but sometimes you get cheapies. Yeah, yeah. You know that think they took care of you. Like I remember one time I had these girls from London when I was giving my spiel on on tips, and they said they had piles of cash for me. I said, okay, piles of cash. I was there for like an hour and a half, and I think they tipped me thirty dollars. Right. I was like, that I don't know what piles of cash are where you're from, but that's. <laughs> This is pathetic. And it's still in my mind. It sticks out to me because I was one of the most pathetic tip parties I've ever done. Absolutely. Okay. So how how did you get to the point where you thought – so you wanted to write a book? Yeah. You just – just what people kept saying, you should write a book, you should write a book. And you one day just said, I'm going to knock out. Yeah. Basically, I was just thinking to myself like – because I, I you know, people ask me about my job. You go to bars and stuff and your friends and then just I'll talk to them like I'm talking to you. You give them fucking stories of, you know, I've done this party. I've done that party. I've done this. And – uh uh, uh, they're like, wow, man, you know, you should write a book, man. You, and I was like thinking like, you know, I should write a book. And I was in the kind of process of doing one, you know, being lazy about it, but still yeah. in the process of doing one. And I did that sh uh, Mark show, Soft White Underbelly. And I uh, briefly, excuse me, I had briefly brought up that I was in the middle of writing a book and the comments just came pouring through like, when's your book, when's your book, when's your book? And that just lit a fire under me and the book is done. 
Right. It's out. You know, you can go to uh, uh, masonknox.com. That's M-A-S-I-N-K-N-O-X.com. Uh, and you can uh, pre-order the book now. Um, uh, uh, every book comes with a free Audible download card. So I did my own Audible, which was hard. Right. That was 14 hours in the studio. I did two seven-hour days in the studio. So, you know, when you're reading by yourself in your head and you mispronounce words, whatever, you know what you meant. Yeah. But to get the tone right, pronounce it, yeah, man, that was that was hard. So I put a lot of work into that. So, again, doing Mark's show really got that going. Yeah, you got the fire underneath you. Got the you. fire underneath, and it got me introduced to you. And now I'm, you know, like I said, I flew out here to, 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 to Florida to do a few podcasts and just going out and doing a little uh, book tour promotion. So if oh, so, so you're going to put out the book. You know, let's say the book, not that the book has to do well or, or, or even badly. It doesn't matter. It's really, what's so funny about that is like, you know, it's, it's actually having something written down that you can hand somebody that a producer or whoever that they actually have something they can read it and say, okay, now I get it. And it's written down. As soon as you write it, your story down, like you telling me, um, your story now doesn't create this as intellectual property. It's only when it's written down. Exactly. Now it's, now you own it. Now you own it. So somebody could watch the podcast and write, do a whole fucking thing on you. And you're like, well, hey, you can't this, you can't, you know, oh no, I, you know, I, I've kind of, kind of, I can, I can, but now all you actually have a a written piece of intellectual property that's been published. So my, my idea is, is, or my, my question is, what are your thoughts? Like you did this, you have this, this book. I mean, nobody's making, unless you're James Patterson or, you know, John Grisham or whoever. Um, uh, John Grisham, I remember reading the right, client. Right. So it, unless, unless you're, you know, unless you're one of them, you're not going to make millions on the book. What is your, what is your goal for writing the book? Like what is your, what, what would be like the top thing you would want to happen? Well, first off, I'd like to say never say never. Yeah. Okay. I never put that in the universe. You know, uh, 50 Shades of Grey was self-published. Well, I'm not saying never. I'm saying you know, it's the guys that make millions are John Grisham and those kinds of guys. I and think. the guy who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, that was his, that was their first book. And yeah. he put that out a chapter at a time. That became a big movie. Uh, another I, one that I, was a big okay. one that came out a long time ago was, you ever heard of John Tucker Must Die? Of course. John was, Tucker Must Die. No, John Tucker. Um, are you remember the guy that wrote, uh, uh, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And that turned into, and that turned into John Tucker Must Die. The yeah, movie. It, yeah. Again, so it can happen, but I, I get your point. But again, I don't like to throw that in the universe. Yeah. My whole goal. What I'm this, saying is, is, what I'm saying is, if it doesn't have to be a bestseller, no. to still have like to still have major developments occur just because you have a book. Yeah. So like again, I I, I, I got to get on. I got to come here and meet you because of the book. Right. I got to go do this other podcast because of the book. I'm going to go back on Soft White Underbelly here in a couple of weeks. You know, not because of the book, but Mark. You know, he you know he's, he's got a nitty gritty show, but yeah, yeah. Th- this book has has allowed me like again it, it, it solidifies it it makes it real yeah you know and it feels good i know yeah. you've written some books yeah it feels good yeah and just my hustling state of mind just being a hustler it's another way i can make i mean again and not to sound shady but it's just another way i can legally make some money right you know and get my story out there and you know in the wor- worst case scenario when i sell a couple hundred books i make some money i gotta do some podcasts and tell my story right great Best case scenario becomes a New York Times bestseller. I'm living in the Hollywood Hills. Hill, well, I never moved to California, but that's a different story. But I'm living in like a, a big mansion in in somewhere. And that, well, I'd never get a big mansion, but you know what I mean. I would. <laughs> I'm going on. So you know. So well, I mean, I'm I'm saying like I mean, like to me, like the books that I've written, I want to help. Get, I want them to be developed into um, documentaries. Into of course, you know, or, or you know, be turned into a series so, or a movie. You or, mentioned you know, off camera before. You mentioned Vice. Network. Right. So, have you ever? One of my. I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. Not so much older, but I love 
I call it wrestling. Right. Grew up on Stone Cold, Hulk Hogan. Right. Yeah, Shawn we, Michaels. We had a, we had a, we've had a wrestler on here. The times. sexy boys, Shawn Michaels, baby. I mean, when I did Nudes of Pop and I ended up having like the WWE pyrotechnics and stuff. I mean, anyway, uh, they have a show on Vice uh, and they have a bunch of spinoffs on it called The Dark Side of the Ring, The Dark Side of the 90s. And now they're doing The Dark Side of Comedy. Okay. Have you seen any of those yet? No. No, but the way they do them is great. The way they tell the stories and the way they do the reenactments is amazing. So it would be amazing to me to be able to turn some of these stories I have in my book and turn them into little shorts for a TV series. So in the long run, I mean, if we're talking about big goals, I would love to get a little series made on some of these stories because, again, I didn't think this many people would be intrigued about what I do. But, you know, when I've done a few interviews, people just think it's wild. And, and again, I guess it is, but I just I've done it for so long. You do hey, something, you I totally get it. I still me. get excited when I do parties and stuff, but I'm not that, you know, 19, you know, 20 something year old kid that's like, oh, fuck yeah, man, I'm going to the fucking win. Got yeah. these girls. Now I'm just like, oh, yeah, cool. I get to go to the win again tonight. Yeah, it's just another gig. It's another gig. Right. That's it. Um, still fun, but just another gig. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, trust me, I, 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 I totally get it. Um, the, like, well, I'll talk to people about, well, I'll tell people what I did, and they're just like over the top, like, oh, my God. But then again, I always think, okay, yeah, but this this guy works at an insurance company. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's never broken the law. He's maybe got a ticket. You know, when as the cop was approaching his car, he was freaking out. Freaking out, you know. Right, right. But I'm saying you never know what's going to happen by doing the podcast. So um, we had a guy on here, um, Jeff Turner. He was a counterfeiter. And Jeff ended up getting contacted by a producer. Uh, a, a producer and a screenwriter and they said they had seen uh, his story and or the podcast was it this podcast i well he did one here he also did it on um on concrete so there's probably a better chance he did it on he saw they saw For the concrete sure. one if i was supposed to do that maybe tyler put me in touch with that i guess the guy from concrete just had a congratulations to yeah yeah he just had a baby, had a baby. Another, another baby congratulations man um so what what ended up happening was they contacted uh jeff and he optioned his life rights, and they've already written a screenplay. Like me, I've written a bunch of stories, put a bunch of stuff out there, had tons and tons of of uh, media attention, interviews, and and semi pushed, not pushed really hard, but semi pushed. And a few things have happened here and here and here, but the, nothing huge has happened. Jeff Turner came here, told his story, told his story again, was contacted immediately, <laughs> optioned the film rights. Has a screenplay written. Like, this is the kind of thing where sometimes someone just kind of, you know, it just happens. It's way the, it's right. crazy how he like, may end up having a fucking movie. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's just the way the world works, man. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, right. It, why, it, why, it, do some, why do some rock and roll bands write one song and they're on top of the world and you got some bands that will never, ever make it? Right. right. I mean, it's just, well, you never know the algorithm of life. Well, you know what I always say is like, if you watch, um, you've watched American Idol. Yeah, like, I've seen it. Like, let's face it, the, the, the top 10 to 20 people are all all superstars the fact is they're all amazing they're all superstars only one person wins and you really almost never hear from any of these other people and you're like yeah but this guy was so talented the guy the guy in number nine was he was i've never heard anything like it, it was, she was amazing and and you're like so talent alone isn't always enough you kind of have to be in the right place at the right time the right person and, and even then if they're all interested then another 200 things have to go right before you get to that point. You, you're right. Like when you talk about American Idol, how many people do you think competed and made the finals? I can tell you two people, Adam Lambert and Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Two people. Yeah. Adam Lambert's singing for – good for him. He's, and, and I think he's a perfect match. He's singing for Queen. Yeah. yeah um, dude. I was going to say, uh, 
Yeah, so like with Turner, you just don't know what's going to happen. You just never know. Yeah. You never going to watch this. Right, right. You know, same with Mark. You never know. I mean, I'm sure you, you, I mean, you said you did soft white underbelly as well. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, and I'm sure you've had contacts. I'm sure you've made other contacts and you're able to do more stuff because of Yeah, we were talking about all the different, all the different things I've done. You you got to put And that are are still doing, you you have to, like, like doing the podcast is, is super important. Yeah, this is like, uh, I was telling uh, uh, people that are older than me, like, that don't get it. You know, it's like you need to get on like this show. It's like, no, podcasts are the new shows. Yeah. Podcasts are. And, I, and again, being a, being on a band, being in a band and stuff, it's 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 more important if you're in a band to have a hit song on TikTok than it is on the radio. There's right. more. I mean, it's just just face it. And even on network television, if you have a hit show on YouTube, that's a bigger deal sometimes than having a hit show on on some of the major networks. It's the world's ever changing. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder has there ever been any like series that are based on a on like a male stripper? So the only thing that came out, not a series, and it's I am a movie. Yeah, Magic Mike. Yeah. And I'm the real deal. I'm Magic Mason. Right. They did a real and like the thing about Magic Mike is they did touch on a few things that are really true in that movie, but they they again it's Hollywood, so they want to make everything seem perfect and glamorous. Right. But if they wanted the real, if you want the real nitty gritty story again, and, and, and this is not something I'm flexing on, but you know, people who do this job don't usually last very long. I can name maybe one or two other guys that started and are still doing it. They're still doing it to this day. And like I said, that's a career at this point. I've done 16 years. I went from walking the work at Taco Bell to now I got, again, I'm not flexing, but I traded in my night, my Bonnevilles for BMWs. Right. I live on the strip in Las Vegas. You know, I just, you know, I just, it's, it's, it's take, I've, I've done literally from trash to treasures in a sense, you know, absolutely, man. So there's something there. If someone yeah. wanted to pick up something and I've always wanted to is, is doing some of these podcasts. I just like to throw it out there. I always thought I'd make a really good bad guy in movies. Right. I'm acting all the time. Like when you talk about the cuckolding, yeah. you know, there's t- tons of times where I have to put on an act. I remember there was this one time where I, there was this young, good looking couple, young, good looking. You'd be amazed how many hot chicks pay me to fuck them. 100%. And uh, there's this young, good-looking couple that one had a, a role-playing kink, and the husband uh, wanted me to be a bad guy. I was a gangster, bookie, and I was there to collect money from him because he placed a bad sports bet, but he couldn't pay. So I remember I kicked in the door. I said, you know, where's my fucking money, asshole? Well, I don't have your money, you know? I was like, well, that fucking little pretty little cunt you call a wife over there is going to have to fucking pay for it with what's what between her legs or some bullshit like that. So, I, again, like, I, I'm always acting. Right. You're always playing a character. You gotta, so well, you got to see American Gigolo. Anyway. I'm, gonna do, I'm definitely, that's one of the first things I'm going to watch when I get home. You're you talking about the, the Richard Gere one. Yeah, yeah. So, again, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you the trailer. So, check it out. When you send me the trailer, look it up because before I came over here, just like the other day at home when I was flipping through Netflix, yeah. they came out with something new called American oh. Gigolo. They either redid it or they turned it into a series. Oh, I'm sure they it would make great series. But what I was gonna say, also the other thing that you you, you might uh, is uh, consider is uh, like a documentary. Like uh, you yeah. can like documentary production is is uh, the budget's way way um, smaller, but it also costs very little money to do. And you have to think you have a, a you you can have a, it doesn't even have to be huge, but a decent documentary done on you that ends up on. Any of the streaming platforms, and now Netflix, Hulu, whatever you know, they'll, they'll pick up. Well, it. Think about how Netflix. many people see you then. Now, now people come to you and they go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Listen, we just watched this two-hour or this hour and a half documentary on you. We think it, we could take this and turn it into a complete series." Oh, you could. Next thing you know, you've got a, a whole series. I mean, one hundred percent, it'll go off the fucking rails. Like, I don't know if you uh, ever watched. Um, oh shoot, uh, um, Orange is the New Black. I know what you're talking about, right. but I, I haven't watched so it. So she wrote a book, 
couple hundred, about two, three hundred pages, really, probably, I think about 250 pages. She wrote a book. It was a girl that had been, got roped into a drug conspiracy for money laundering. Like she basically just, somebody gave her money, she put it in her bank account, and then she wired the money to a couple people. Like that's the extent of her, but it was, she did know it was drug money. She knew she was paying couriers for her girlfriend. You know, she just, she just genuinely thought it meant nothing, but now you're in the conspiracy. So she ends up getting like, I want to say 18 months. She does like 12 months or something. Goes to jail, writes a book about it, puts out the book. It does okay, but it happens to get picked up by Netflix, who is just then starting off. And it blows up. Well, after the first season, the book, the the, the season. Now the book blows up. No, well, no, now the book is a bestseller for five years yeah. after that. It didn't, it was okay before that. It did, was doing okay. My point is, after the first year, they're no longer even following the storyline. So what ends up happening is you, uh, you know, people that are in your book end up being characters that now it's completely gone off the reels. It's now not even real anymore. Oh, now there's murders and they're killing people and they're doing this and you're like, Jesus, you know, Jimmy's not going to be okay with this, um, you know, or, or you know, Tammy would never do that, you know. So anyway, yeah. You, next thing you know, there's nine nine seasons later, it's turned into something that you never really thought, but you don't really have control of that. But I'm saying they no, can do that. Once you that. sign your fucking, once you sign that, once contract, you sign it over, you don't have any choice. creative, creative. Uh, what do they call it? Creative. Uh, uh, what creative license? Creative uh, whatever. What? Creative rights go to whoever you just fucking sold it to. Yes. Unless yes. obviously in your contract you got final say so, yeah, but and who's nobody, gonna, who's going to give that. you that? Right. They're not going to put up, you know, thirty twenty million dollars per season and let you have the final say. No, they're so. going to give you your money. Yeah. And they're going to say, we're taking over now. Yeah. You yeah. sit down. We'll pay you as a consultant. Every once in a while, we might call you. If, if anybody asks about the, the series, say it's wonderful. It's amazing. Oh, they yeah. Did you can't a great reach job. contract or yeah. they're going to get their money back. Right. Yeah, I did. I've done a few TV shows. I've done the Jerry Springer show as a stripper. Are you serious? That was one of my favorite shows I've ever done was Jerry Springer. Yeah, dude. Fucking I got called in to do that. Uh, I was a runner. I, I I didn't make it, but I did a rehab stint. Um, I was going to do Dr. Drew Celebrity Rehab, the sex addiction one. Okay. So I was the runner up for that. So they had a, a guy drop out, but then they decided not to use me. But to fill my contractual agreements, I had to go to rehab for seven days it was like a really fancy one and like that cost like a thousand fifteen hundred dollars a day i remember being in this rehab playing tennis and with, with these real addicts and again like the, the help that you get is very real but i remember thinking to myself like i'm here because i'm a stripper that likes to have a lot of sex like back in indiana that's not a problem yeah yeah they'd laugh at you all the way to the fucking doctor's office and then the doctor would laugh at you like what are you here for you get you get laid too much get the fuck out of here right <laughs> but yeah the springer show is my favorite show by far i've done Oh yeah, one hundred percent. That was great. Well, um, what else do you think? Are we, you you got the book coming out? Yes, I'm still doing the same thing. So I'm, I'm I got I got a handful more podcasts that I have booked. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for the next couple of weeks. Uh, the book will officially be out. It's first for pre order now at masonnox.com, but it officially it'll ship to you on Halloween. So it comes out on Halloween this year. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to uh, do some more podcasts, and I'm I'm still gonna do me. I mean, I'm I'm again. What are we? It's Wednesday. Yeah. So I'll be back in Vegas tonight, and I'll, I'll be doing bachelorette parties this weekend. And you're going to see your brother in a oh, few hours. Oh, fuck, yeah. I'll get to see my brother Corey in a few hours, man. Absolutely. So uh, that'll be fucking – that'll be great. I've never met him before. So And he played basketball. It's dope. I told him I was going to – if we had time, I'd kick his ass in a game of horse. We had to laugh about that. But I'm pretty good at horse. I'm sure taking him to the hoop would be a different story. But if we're just – you get free shots, I, I'd do pretty good. But, yeah, that's that's what's next for me. I'm just going to keep, keep working. Um, hopefully, maybe if the book does well enough – I wouldn't mind doing a follow-up book. 
I could just do short stories, you know, with right. with, with with me. So like, again, when people order my book, just so you know, I, uh, I, everyone comes with an audible, but I also um, do story time with Mason Knox, where I talk every chapter like we're talking now. Right. So besides reading it verbatim from the book, I actually just kind of talk to you how it went down. Right. So yeah, it's got everything from mild to wild, and that from uh, it's my, my pretty much my life story from Indiana to all the way till now. Okay. And all the crazy stories in between, man. You just have to get the book and see it. Hopefully someone sees this. We turn it into a movie, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, um, bro, I appreciate you stopping by. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, Hopefully we didn't damage Connor too much. No, no, he'll be. He's going to be okay. Is he going to be okay? All right. You'll be all right? All right, cool. You can get the book at uh, masonknox.com. That's M-A-S-I-N-K-N-O-X.com. It's available for pre-order now. And I'm on all social. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. All of it's at Mason Knox. Again, I spell it like Sin City, uh, M-A-S-I-N. If you go to the website, masonknox.com, you scroll down each pages. It has quick links to all my websites. You can book me as a stripper. You can buy my book. Uh, it has links to everything that I have to offer. So um, I want to say again, thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. thank you. Hey, I appreciate you guys watching. Do me a favor, and if you like the video, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you get notified of videos just like this. Leave me a comment in the comment section, and if you want to support the channel, do me a favor. You can thank me, uh, and you can also go to my Patreon. So I really appreciate you guys uh, messing with me today, and I appreciate it, and see ya.